Welcome, I'm Dr. Lee West, Senior Minister of Roth International. Happy that you've chosen this teaching on the offerings God allowed to Israel. God, the offerings that God allowed to Israel. In preface to this, I think it's good to remember biblical hermeneutics on this fashion that we always allow the new covenant to interpret the old covenant. So what God allowed in the old will be refined, upgraded, and given more depth when it gets through Christ into the new covenant. So that's a wonderful piece of, uh, of, of exegesis that we need to understand in hermeneutics. The offerings that God allowed Israel to give to him are described in Leviticus chapter 3. And these are a guide on how to get to God's heart. They get to God's heart, the offerings through worship, through service, and through obedience, as you look at the requirements required by Israel to get to God. And they were all the uh, getting to God was available through the offerings and the intent of the offerings. They are called the laws of the offerings by Israel. And they, this is important, they were not offered to all of the Hebrew people, slant Jewish people. They were offered only to the priests. And this will come into play much more in depth in just a few minutes. Not offered to all the people, but they were to be offered by the priest. All historical races and tribes have had offerings to their God. All were public offerings in the celebrations, and all were utilized with a fire consummation principle attached to them. In Genesis chapter 4, there's a law of first mention. Now, maybe uh, you don't know what that is or haven't heard it or need to be reminded. When you run into the law of first mentions in Scripture, it basically means that the way that you see something utilized in the first time in the scriptures, that's the way you can see it applied in various forms throughout the scriptures. So in Genesis 4, we see the first indication of an offering uh, to God. This is where Cain and Abel offered their offerings to God. Abel brought the first of the flocks and I'm believing, and it's not, though it's not stated, but I believe it would have been a, a lamb. And Cain offered the fruit of the ground. The offering was to be animal, not vegetable. It was to be for a memorial. And as often as it was done, it was to be in memory of something. And when we get into the New Testament thing, we'll see that. To Israel, the priestly offering were literal, and then they became spiritual. To the new covenant saints and priests, the offerings are spiritual, and then they are to be translated into literal offerings. Spiritual to God, then literal in their action by the new covenant saints. There's a scripture that will give a preface to what we're going to start looking at now as we start looking at the new covenant offerings of these uh, of these same things were given to, uh, by uh, Israel. In 1 Peter 2, 5, it says this, Ye 
are lively. That means living stones are being built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. That delineates very clearly the transition from the old covenant through Christ into the new covenant. And just for clarity, I probably don't need to, but I'd like to just quote that scripture in 1 Peter 2, 5, one more time as a preface. Ye also are lively stones, are being built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. These offerings God allowed Israel to make to him. And these offerings will be allowed by God for the new covenant saints to give through their priesthood to God. When we look at the very first of the feasts, it is in Leviticus, of course, found, and it is the meat offering by the new covenant offerer. The meat offering by the new covenant offerer. And of course, meat here is not meat as we think in 21st, 22nd century uh, rendering. The meat there is a grain, a grain filled with the field. It was a fine uh, sifted flour mixed with oil and frankincense. And it's said that this sifted flour was so fine that the priest could stick his hand down into it. And when he took his hand out, nothing would be clinging to it. It's hard to imagine that, but that's what it was. It was a portion to God. It was a giving of a portion uh, by the priest to God. And God's portion was offered as a burnt offering. And the portion represented the one's main strength food. That's where it goes into us as a priest of God. Our portions to God represent our main strength, where we get our main strength, not only in the food areas, not talking about that, but uh, the thing that we offering in this meat offering, this grain offering, is the thing that from which we get our main strength. And our main strength, uh, the thing that we bring to God, our strength, has to be a clean offering. In other words, it has to be of pure and pure intent. The unclean would be that thing which is hard to hard to contain and hard to function. But the fire of God consumes it. When we offer it to God, his fire will consume it. And the oil that is placed in and frankincense will be placed upon it. As we think about the oil of the Holy Spirit and the frankincense, that was a type at the birth of Jesus and at the burial of Jesus. So something is anointed and something has to die. When we offer up as a priest to God, this offering, this grain offering, this meat offering under the new covenant. The second offering is the sin offering by the new covenant offender, the sin offering. Now this uh, needs a little translation because the sin offering here is that sin which is a habitual sin. It's a habit in a, in a priest's life when it should not be there that they have extreme difficulty 
uh, getting it to prosper and to be conquered in their life. It is an unintentional sin, and notice that it's singular in its nature. It's that one sin that above all is plaguing that priest from being moving on through that to the next plateau of God that will that will be encountered. It is that habitual sin in their life. And it, it's not that they, it's unintentional. They didn't, they didn't want to do it. Everything in them does not want to do this. Any sin in a, in a believer does not want to be committed, but it is that which slips up on them. And uh, it's, it's unintentional, but it is habitual in that it happens a lot of time. And the offering that God accepts uh, to the offer is their soul. This is in the soulish area. They have to lift their soul up to, to, to God for this habitual sin. And the one's offering must offer God access to the offerer's soul. As I just said, that's where the problem is going to be thought. The one's offering must include or be singular to a sincere intent to offer the thing. It can't be a casual thing. It has to be sincerely offered. It has to be willing to be changed by the offerer. It demands that when the one gets with God about this, that he has to be willing, he or she has to be willing to let this habitual sin be addressed by God out of a pure heart. They have to listen to God's demands through. Now, the way they're going to find out exactly how to get this and exactly how to address it in their life, they're going to get to that uh, decision by hearing a good preached word. A very good preached word will end that sermon at some point, will have an addressing of that particular sin to that individual. I always preach and teach, and when it comes up in the service, that in every service I officiate, that there will be something in that for the congregation in general. There'll be something in that for every individual in that a congregation for that particular day and hour. So there has to be a willingness to change, and they have to hear that, that which is particular to their problem by the priest worded from the pulpit. And also, it can come through other teachings of other ministries or within the home church. There has to be, there. Uh, it can come through study and meditation. If you reflect on God's worth, if you stay locked in with the Holy Spirit, he can get through with this because he'll address this in the individual's life, that the thing that needs to be consumed by God. And mainly the one's commitment to surrender to the command. When they get with God and they realize what it is and they commit it to God, then they have to be ready to surrender to what God is going to say to them. And one of the best ways to do this, better way, maybe a way to say that, is by the reading of scriptures and meditating and listening to God. Getting along with God in the word of God, because then you're, you're quoting his work back to him. You're, you're stating his word back to him. So that, that's a, a very, very good way to do it, to spend time in the Word and let the Word speak to you. And if it addresses a, a problem that's habitual in your life, then be willing to surrender that. Listen to the Holy Spirit's command about that as you read and meditate on the Scripture. Israel's priests had to slay a bullock, and a bullock to Israel represented that which is strong animal. 
it was a it was a strength personification not personification but an animal viewing of their of the strength of that animal well a bullock was very very strong and in the new co uh, covenant priest they will be offering their strongest sin problem that is habitual they will address the strongest one now if god takes care of some little peripheral sins on the way hallelujah that's wonderful but you'll be seeking when this happens in your life you will be seeking uh, the strongest thing that is a problem for you that seems to be habitual god's acceptance will be witnessed by a liberation feeling of the soul there was a be a communication with the spirit of god in the soul that that thing has been heard by god had been addressed and you can assure that god be assured that god is working on that and that will be a wonderfully comforting feeling to the uh, offerer of that the uh, next offering we're going to address will be the peace offering by the new covenant offerer and the peace offering here means something that you're uh, offering to god but because of gratitude the peace there means grateful something that god gives you for which you're grateful that you just want to cry out to god and thank him for it and of course this can be a this can be a consuming thing in your life once you start offering god thanksgiving it'll be a no-ending thing because the offered unto God in their total humility. That's the way it's offered to God. Because you're realizing that some, something God has given to the one who's offering, going to be offering this grateful offering. It, it's coming from a humility and the fact that you couldn't address this harmony for it, but God just produced it in your life or he just manifested it in your life. Maybe you wasn't even thinking about that thing. But all of a sudden it came to you, something you'd requested a long, long time ago, and God just manifested that thing into your life. And what a blessing that is when you see things that you've been longing for, not, not just recently, but things that you were crying out for a long time ago, then God has given those into that offerer's life. Reconciliation to God for his bounty can be one directed by the offerer's life something he has given into your life uh, that God has done. And here, I think it's good here to remember what James chapter 1, verse 17 says when you get to this type of thinking about what you're going to offer to God and give him thanks for. In James 1, 17, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. So whenever you move to that place and it you know i'm thinking back there are times when you may be as i have been in my own life when all of a sudden you may be driving your car you may be uh doing something that's the furthest thing from your mind maybe housework you're at a lull period in your workplace and all of a sudden something comes to you for which you are so grateful as a believer that god has given you then it just swells up in you and you feel that ability to go to your limit in thanking God. And all of a sudden you need to go into the tongues area, just a praise tongue to God. Uh, and even out of that, you recognize the fullness of your heart is to God for what he is doing and plowing into your existence in your day by day living. 
It's uh, being grateful for the anointing to function. You realize as a, as a Christian at everything you say or do, because only righteous things should be coming out of your mouth, even in the mundane things, they should have an anointing on those by the Holy Spirit because he, he often says to us, you let your answer be yea, yea, or, or nay, nay. As a matter of fact, one time I made that charge to one of my congregations that for the next week, just try to not answer anybody with a, an elaboration on anything, but try just to stick to a, a yea or a nay. And I don't know that they ever did that. It took me up on that. But I, I believe that those who did came away with a better understanding of how the tongue can be a crippling effect to the even to the born again spirit filled tongue talking Christian person. So it's grateful for the anointing just just to be functional in life. When God opens up doors for you and closes other doors so that you can go into a better functionality. Be thankful for that. And when that happens and you want to praise God, just realize that there's anointing that goes along with that. Uh, something that, uh, some things that uh, create a gratefulness toward God to where you want to, or they, someone wants to offer this type of a grateful offering is to be grateful for just plain the health of your body. When I look around the, the neighborhood and the marketplace and the workplace, uh, and you you can see and compare yourself to physical uh, be well-being to others, you're going to find that God is blessing you. L- let me just take it down a step. If you just have two arms and two legs, how, how blessed you are. If you have a a, uh, a sanity in you, you, you have a rational deductive ability to inductive and deductive reasoning, do you realize how far above most people you are? I, I hate to say it, but most people, uh, well, maybe that, not most, but there are a lot of people that I observe that really I question if they have the ability to do a rational analysis of a situation and come out with a true answer to it, even though it may be simplistic. So the fact that you have a sound mind, which we should have, and you can do rational, deductive, and inductive reasoning, and you want to give God a, a grateful offering for that, go for it. Do it. God, that pleases God. You, you can uh, be grateful for your spiritual intuitiveness. As a baby Christian, you came to God with your bare soul. He gave you a bare soul uh, and a bare spirit, and your old soul was renewed and you had a brand new alive spirit, and that reaches out to God for for teaching and for instruction and for love and companionship and for provisions. So when the realization of your spiritual intuitiveness reaches the point where you just want to cry out to God and be grateful that, give that offering of praise to the Lord. Uh, It can be by an uplifted hand or an outlifted voice, or a dancing in the spirit, if you're not just by yourself, dancing the spirit to God, being grateful to Lord that you have spiritual intu- intuitiveness and you are growing. When you come to God and you've been in the Lord for a few years, you're going to realize that you're stronger in God this year than you were last year. As a matter of fact, 
you're going to be stronger in God. If you stay in the Holy Spirit, you're going to be stronger tomorrow than you were today. And I'll bring it down. If you want to, you can even be stronger the next moment than you were. So this is it's a progressive thing that you can give God the spiritual intuitiveness, intuitiveness that you are growing in God and walking in his obedience. Another good thing that you can sometimes be overwhelmed in is by the family that God has given you. You're being grateful to that, and you just need to give him a thanks for that, that the family you have is not maybe like the family next door where they're warring with one another. There's division between the husband and wife, and part of the children are out on drugs or some other thing, but yet your family is intact. Your children are being nurtured and taught the things of the Lord, and you, you see them growing in God because, and this is so important, because dads, you are taking them to church. You're, you're not just letting them on Sunday have a quiet day. You make sure that they're in church on Sunday and Wednesday night, if you have a Wednesday service and a Sunday night, you're going to see those services have a different personality that you and your wife are on the same spiritual page or close to it and that you're the spiritual head of your house, Father, because I tell you, I see too many women, even in the even in the Christian body of Christ, that are trying to be co-equal with their husband, and you are not co-equal. You are one in the unity of God, but you have a role, and the and the headship of that family is is uh, given only to the man by God. Now I'm I'm sure that right now some of some of that just stung some hearts, but that's true, and if you search the scripture you'll find that that's true. So be thankful for your family, that you're unified, and just be thankful that you have your children close with you because there'll come a time when the, the empty nest syndrome will start setting in and slowly they'll move out of the nest and go their way to build their own life. Prayerfully, you won't have to look for them and not see them as so many Christian families are, but they'll be close to where you can have communications. And aren't you grateful to God? Can't you give him great that today we have phones that we can use and we can see our children anytime, basically, that we want to. And we can grow in God by watching spiritual things on our internet or on our phones. And we can communicate with loved ones and we can reach out for help, to spiritual help, to those that we uh, we enjoy, not only in our family, immediate fleshly family, but also the family of God. Because we're part of the family of God, what a blessing that is. And when it becomes true to you, you don't want to hurt the family of God. You don't want to see any brother or sister compromised and fall away and come into decay or decadence. No, you want to, if you see one like that, you can use your influence to reach out to them and strengthen them and bring them back. If you have to take them to church a few times, if you have to that, have take them out to eat or something, bring them into your home for fellowship and let them see another, let them see a godly home functioning and restore them. God will just bless you and you'll have that warm, tingly feeling in your soul and spirit that you have been utilized by God because that will be an anointed situation. Be thankful to God and give him praise when you realize that you have food in your cupboard cupboard to the to the uttermost and you have everything you need when you get hungry and i've used this analogy so many times that when you go into the grocery store observe how many items of one 
thing that you have 20 or 30 choices for. Go into the meat counter and it's full of delicious meats that you can purchase, vegetables that are fresh to eat, and breads, and every staple of life. And you can you can have these dainties because you have the, the funds and the ability from God. You didn't just, let, let me point this out to you. It comes to me. Don't get into thinking that your job and your boss is your provider. I had to tell my boss one time that he was not my provider. He didn't like that. He didn't say anything to me, but I told him I work here. I work as unto your your offerings and, and what you demand of me. And I appreciate the, that I have a job here, but you're not my supplier. You're not my source. God is my source. He, he As I said, he didn't probably want to hear that, but I felt I need to say it. And maybe you have to say that sometime too. But when you look at the fullness of life around you, especially those who live in the first world type countries, you know, you're so blessed. Even the people in the second world countries and those in the third world countries, they have, uh, God's going to see to it. If they're Christians, I don't care where they live. God will see to it that they have food, shelter, and clothing. And that, that's an astounding word of knowledge that I just gave to you in word of wisdom. Now, I didn't intend to say that, but that's just a word of a now word of God from me to you, that God will provide no matter what our circumstances. If you live in the penthouse and you're hearing this, you have needs that you can't meet. If you live in the in the shambles of, a, of society in the, on the other side of the track and you have things, you're better off in the United States than you are probably in, would be in any other country on earth, certainly even in the second world countries, which are very, very good. So, yeah, that's God is doing that in your life. Food. Be grateful where God has placed uh, the offering. Be careful where God has placed the offerer. That's where you, you have been placed by God to give your offering to God and others. Be grateful that they can give theirs. You, you, uh, you were placed in a certain place. You were given not just by a sexual act by your parents. You were placed in the family where you were, where that was good, bad, or indifferent by God, and you don't have to stay in those circumstances. But be grateful if you have reared in a Christian home that where it was a godly home where Christ was the center. Be grateful for that. And that might come up sometime. You want to give God that that grateful offering unto him. Oh, salvation. How many times should be you be grateful that God has given you the salvation experience, the salvation experience in your life? You, you are saved and you know it. And all the old is gone and all the new is building and you just sometimes have to be just grateful to god for having pity on you when you said god forgive me a sinner and he answered that and then right after that be so grateful to god if you have gone through the growth processing of god or if you are going through that i think you need to go through that don't stop at one level and and stop your growth. Don't listen to some preachers that tell you that they don't adhere to the spiritual gifts. They're not for today, and they don't t teach and preach that they're available to the saints. And I've, I've, I've castigized a lot of ministers in teachings and face-to-face -face that you don't have to believe 
in the spiritual gifts. You don't have to believe in the Pentecostal movement, but teach your people that it's available to them. If you don't, you're going to answer to God, pastors who are listening to this, but to the to the offerer, be glad that you are have the opportunity to grow in the spirit. Giving this grateful offering with this offering will be a sweet smelling savor to God, a sweet smelling savor to God in the spirit area. Now I've heard that some people can even have that literally in their life when they get to this type of an area of a grateful offering in their worship to God, they get lost to the world and all of a sudden they, they have smelled a sweet smelling, maybe incense type of a offering smell. Of course, what you do in this situation is going to come up in your, from your gratitude offering as a sweet smelling savor unto the Lord. The offering will be developed into a habitual praise for God. Instead of that habitual problem that we addressed earlier, there will be a habitual praising thing to God that will be given not once or twice or three times a day at a special time, morning, noon, or night when you go to bed. No, it'll be a habitual thing that your heart will be full of God and all of a sudden you'll remember something and you just have to praise God and give him gratitude uh, for uh, being grateful for the things that he put into your life. Because Psalm 104 comes to my mind. It says this, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, in into his courts with praise. And he goes on to explain why about that and, uh, and expand on it. It says, Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Psalm 104. Read that. Keep that as one of your supreme scriptures in your life. The trespass offering that is offered by the new covenant offerer. This trespass offering is a guilt offering, though for those times when you, that guilt comes into the soul because of something has been wrongly done. Uh, this is an offering uh, demanding a punishment by God, and you're crying out for leniency with God because whatever you did is a trespass, you didn't just trespass as you see it but against man. You trespassed to get God, and that needs to be get harmonized with the Holy Spirit because it will demand punishment. And the, the thing is, it, it drives you away from that closeness with God. It's a sin that was committed through ignorance. Yeah, it is, and that's, that's another problem with it. But uh, you should be knowing the Word, and if you listen closely, you'll know the Word. It, it's a sin that you didn't mean to do. It just slipped up on you, and uh, it, then you'll come to realization it demands a punishment, and you'll just cry out to God about that guilty thing. fact is, the Torah to, the, to Israel, they call this a law. It's, they call it a trespass law to the priests. But to uh, you do covenant people, we don't consider the law, but we do consider that you can't harbor sin in your life. This is a sin against holy things, a sin against holy things that have come between you and God. The offer is submitting his offering to the Father through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. And of course, Jesus, we know by study that he is our advocate. He is our intercessor. He takes the place kind of like a, a defense lawyer when we're pleading our defense to a crime. So Jesus is 
our uh, advocate with the Father, and he's our intercessor. Not only is he our advocate, but he's also pleading with God about the covering of the blood on that thing, but he's doing this by the power of the Holy Spirit. The offerer is submitting this sin, forgiveness for such things as not fully knowing God's requirement in a situation, which you should, this thing, this uh, subtle thing should not slip up and become just a, a, a uh, offering that wasn't intended. Because, you see, there are no things such with, with, with a Christian as a, a half sin or a half lie or a half truth. That, that is either 100% true or it's 100% lie. There's, you can't be half and half. You can't uh, just go halfway with God. He's going to demand full offerings to be reconciled. You can plead through humility. It has to be pleaded through humility, as a matter of fact. It just can't be a, a casual thing. The intent of the Word of God has to be utilized. You, have, you should know the intent of the Word, not just the hard Word, but the intent of the Word. Because if we don't, then we can get lax and we can sin before the world, sin against God before the world. So the intent of, of the Word of God has to be lived in our life. Gossiping is the way that this can be, uh, can be a problem. It could be a trespass through gossiping. That can alienate us from God and separate us from God. Or just being plain untruthful. That's kind of like a lie. Like I said, it's, it's not a half and half thing. It's either or. It's failed to compensate for an an action that was taken. If we can, we need to make a compensation to the individual or whomever we wronged, and that can take many different forms. Some uh, things you cannot go back and compensate for except to God because they were committed and the people have moved on, you know, have access to the people or to the situation. How many times have you failed God in the situation and then you come away like you've just didn't stand up for the Lord enough, you and you trespass for God by not speaking out when you should have. Just uh, the fact that it, it just wasn't there. You didn't you didn't uh, didn't stand up for the word. Maybe maybe you just simply simply is kept an article while knowing who lost it. If you do that, maybe maybe you found some money and. Now, if you don't know who lost that, then and you make a reasonable search, which has happened in my life, uh, then you know you you can do, you don't feel any any condemnation about that. But uh, if you find something and you have a reasonable knowledge of who that belonged to, or or and you can search them out uh, and and find out that they lost it, and you don't do that, that can be a a trespass against God, so that needs to be rectified. No matter what the item is, from a the, the old the Hebrews used to think, use animals have to replace it fourfold in some cases, but we just replace the thing by uh, giving the article back or replacing the article. If you uh, if you damage the article you uh, that was in use by someone, uh, or maybe you borrowed it and uh, it was broken, so you need to replace that. The offerer will not have to guess 
as to the committed offense. You won't have to wonder if that was a committed thing by God, uh, not by God, but you was uh, committed against God because the Holy Spirit will let you know that if you're a believer. In John 16, 8, it says this, when he is come, of course, that's the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, of course, he's doing that with the unsaved, but he'll do that. He won't reprove the, the uh, born-again one, but he'll bring it up that it has to be redressed, uh, addressed rather uh, if, it's, if it's involved in the trespass offering. So reprove here. He will reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The reprove here is to re rebuke with the truth. Now, again, God won't, I don't believe he'll give you a rebuke, but he'll remind you of the shortcoming in that, the, the reason that it's a, uh, a trespass offering. And then the sin there, uh, the world of sin, the sin there, to not measure up to the, to the word's standard. That's what a sin is, is not measuring up to what God has commanded. And the righteousness there of righteousness and, and judgment, the righteousness is conduct by human or divine values of what was right. Now maybe maybe it wasn't performed right, or you didn't stand up at the right time, and you that offered a trespass between God that you did into the human or the divine values of God. We, God expects us to, as a Christian, to operate through divine values. Judgment, there, uh, and of judgment, it's uh, judgment here in in uh, in John in the Greek is just a, a type of a, a tribunal investigation of justice, and of course, tribunal could apply to the triuneness of God because God is presents Himself in three personages. So the tribunal there of judgment. Uh, of dealing with uh, judgment by by a tribunal, something that God speaks to you that uh, was not intended, but he just says, okay, that was a trespass offering. Now that needs to be rectified. This offering carries the same judgment penalty as the sin offering did. It requires blood, which is to us is the application of the Jesus's blood on the cross, Revelation given and applied by the Holy Spirit. It, to the Old Testament people, it was the fat of the animal. To the New Testament people, it can encompass that which makes us uh, fat, the pride or the ego or the self-control or, or overcoming self-esteem and that kind of thing. Uh, these have to be totally consumed in a trespass type of a way if they become part of a Christian's life. As I said, there's no half and half with God. There's no half truth. There's no half sins with God. The trespass reaches toward things that should have been known or cor uh, to corrupt. So if there's something you have a, a problem with, then let God, the Holy Spirit, strengthen you in these offering offerings each one of them can be given to god and if you're weak in one of them even to the gratefulness strengthen your gratefulness but uh, these things will enrich in your life when they're a part of it so let them don't let them become trivial 
don't let them just spring up at times. Keep them intuitive in your mind and things that are offered continually to God out of a continual heart that is reaching out to God, yet monumental in their consequences. They can be trivial in their offense, but monumental in their consequences to the believer's well-being. So perform these to God in the rightful way to do it, and just appreciate God that you are, can draw near to him in the spirit and in the soul, in whatever you need to give praise for or answer for, and let him cleanse that. This is Dr. West. It's been a pleasure being with you. I'm just grateful we had this time together. I'm glad you chose these. I hope it's been a blessing for you. I trust it has. Till we meet again in a another teaching or in a seminar, I just pray that the Lord will bless your life heartily.